0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining. Today, I'm speaking with Wafa Bahari. Wafa is a, uh, she was born in Tunisia. She's living in the US right now. She's an ex-Muslim. She's Mm -hmm. also uh, has worked as an educator and she's just gotten her PhD in linguistics, more from like a social standpoint. And she's looking into the indigenous languages in Tunisia. Hi, Wafa, thank you for coming on.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: so I was hoping that if you could give a bit of your background and then uh, from there we can just start going
1: Okay, so uh, my name is Wafa, that's my most common name uh, People know me most by Wafa, even though my uh, name on the papers is uh, And um, I'm born and raised in Tunisia, I'm currently an ex-Muslim, been ex-Muslim for about four years, I think, um, and I just graduated with um, a PhD degree in linguistics uh, with a major focus on uh, sociolinguistics. I mean, most of my work has been done within the framework of sociolinguistics, even though my PhD can also fit in uh, uh, anthropological, uh, lingu- in linguistics and anthropology. Um, uh, my research has been um, always focused on um Revitalizing uh, Tunisian Tamazigh, which uh, has been classified endangered uh, in the ethnologue Uh, and uh, But with my uh, PhD uh, My major work was on the um, idea the ideology. Uh, basically, I, I've looked at the ideological discipline of the uh, revitalization project uh, through social media and specifically on Facebook. Um, I had to do um, Facebook uh, or and um, what's um, recently called um, uh, online ethnography uh, because I was not able to sponsor um, field work in the traditional sense of the word and go back to Tunisia. And collect data. But uh, the Facebook, I mean, uh, has been doing a great uh, job. It's a major catalyst of all the uh, revitalization efforts uh, that's been going on with regard to uh, Tunisian Tamazight. Uh, so that's uh, pretty much a general introduction about me. Um, I'm also an educator. I've been teaching French and Arabic and uh, um, uh, linguistics as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, what's about me. Oh, okay,
0: that's really interesting. Okay, I want to uh, something you just said there because, you know, I just know from what I've read, I, you know, I've never been um, or like, really studied it so like for me when i hear amazigh i'm thinking algeria morocco and tunisia and Mm -hmm. you know like technically i guess they're berbers and Mm -hmm. but so when you say like the tunisian is there is there like different dialects or slightly different customs from from place to place or is it something completely different
1: Obviously, yes. So, tamazirt, uh, well, the most common or the most known word, uh, basically, in the Western Berberist research is, uh, is Berber. but uh, recently, research have been trying to um, adopt an Amic approach, which means call the language and the people by what the speakers themselves want to be uh, called, and that's Amazir people. Uh, Amazir is the singular of uh, um, of, of uh, uh, um, the singular form, the singular adjective. The plural is amazighan Imaziran people, and the name of the language is uh, Tamazirt. Uh, it's an Afro-Asiatic language, uh, and. Uh, uh, With regard to uh, how many, is it one language or many languages, where that's still a controversy. I mean, you cannot uh, really put a boundary, a clear boundary between uh, what, what are the Tamazir languages and what are the or, or and dialects uh, is still um, a subject in debate uh i mean but with, with um, linguistically speaking and uh, by referring to the ethnologue um there have been at least uh, uh, 27 Tamazight languages that differ from each other, um, I mean, in a way or another, phonologically, uh, morphologically, lexically, and uh, uh, plus uh, plus um, uh, numerous and numerous of um, uh, regional dialects uh, in Tamazight. With regard to Tunisia, I, I, as a linguist, I would like to. Um, um, view it as a separate uh, language because it's not so very much as much as it's similar to other varieties of uh, uh spoken in morocco algeria uh, libya also in uh, 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 burkina faso and chad and niger uh, it has um, it is also um, so different just like uh, uh, i mean taking the example of morocco for instance there are at least three main languages that uh, they are not mutually intelligible, or even if they are mutually intelligible, it's to an extent. I mean, there are at least uh, three languages, and those are Tashalhit, Tarifit, and Tamazirt, which is uh, the name of the film and at the same time a name of uh, a different uh, um, spoken variety uh, in 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 Algeria that is probably which is totally uh, different from the variety spoken in Morocco. Uh, the in Libya as well, the Nafusa uh, Tamazight spoken in the near the mountains of uh, Nafusa, for instance, plus many many other uh, varieties. Um, in uh, in libya so um, in my work i treated tunisian Tamazight as uh, uh, just i mean uh, similar to understand just the, the rest of the varieties but also um, a different a different language and uh, i mean like i said earlier i mean um, it's it's a language in a process of revitalization uh, be across of the uh, um, uh, socio-political uh, factors and the Arab-Islamic ideologies that have uh, worked so hard on erasing uh, the language and identity within the regard of Tunisia. Uh, unlike uh, the Tamaziyat variety spoken in Morocco and Algeria, like Tashalhit, al Tarifit in Morocco and Kabul in Algeria, who could resist over, um, over time uh, despite the fact that they're under so much attack which, which continue to date. Uh, so, yeah, there are plenty of varieties. I mean, I'd like to use the sociolinguistics to be on the safe side, the sociolinguistics term variety rather than language or dialect because, I mean, even linguistically, uh, the difference between language and dialect is uh, still controversial and uh, blurry. I mean, uh, the Yiddish linguist uh, uh, Wainrich, if I pronounce his name correctly, I mean, he, he identifies them. Um, uh, language as a mm-hmm. uh, or a dialect as a language with the, uh, with the uh, no with no army I mean basically I mean it's all um, related to um, the power uh, it's a question of power and and that's what what distinguishes what made the, what makes the the main distinction between um, a language and dialect oh, by, by power I mean social and and political power okay
0: um, so just I just want to touch on that maybe uh, the the You'd mentioned that it's, a, it's an endangered language and it's dying mm-hmm. out. So what percentage of Tunisians um, would fall into, like, Amazigh as opposed to Arab? And then, so then if this language is dying out, you know, like, what percentage of the population of all of Tunisia would speak this language?
1: Okay, that's a very nice question because um, the census... Are still lacking with regard to uh, how many uh, speakers uh, of of Tunisian Tamazir. Are available in Tunisia. I mean, you you find estimable numbers such as one percent of the population, but I cannot say that that's an accurate an accurate uh, uh, percentage out of eleven million. Of course, uh, particularly after the revolution, when you can, when uh, the situation has been uh, changing um, tremendously with regard to Tunisian Tamazight. So, I mean, it, it linguistically. It could be still a minority, we can still call it a minority, uh, but again, um, there, there are no uh, senses. We're still lacking on exact senses of how many speakers, of uh, uh, native speakers. Or uh, those who speak Tamazight as a mother tongue uh, uh, are available in uh, Tunisia, and and unfortunately, that's I mean that causes a lot of hinder with regard to those who are interested in doing research in Tunisian Tamazight. And those are I mean they're coming up nowadays. Uh, There is much a rise of interest in uh, uh, looking at this uh, variety of Tamazight. Unfortunately, I mean, the government continues not to be helpful. Uh, we continue not to know how many speeches there are, uh, but we know, I mean, unlike before the revolution, uh, where at the best, there were only two theses written about Tunisian Tamazight, And uh, those are the only pieces of, of literature that were available before, I mean, during all the post-independence till the 2011, till 2011 revolution. And uh, in, in both of these theses, um, I mean, both authors um, claimed that uh, there were no monolingual speakers of Tamazight in Tunisia anymore. Uh, however, I mean, in my research, I came to know recently that, well, you can still find monolingual speakers who really don't know how to speak arabic nor nor the uh, tunsi which is the the colloquial uh, variety deem it to be to be called a colloquial variety of arabic but linguistically speaking that's an uh, that's not true and we may talk about this uh, later so uh, later on so i uh, i, I Again, uh, not not clear senses uh, whether there is there are monolingual speakers left or not. I came to know that there are a couple of them. there are still a couple of them in the south of Tunisia uh, that are just monolingual and do not converse in the uh, colloquial uh, variety of the country as everybody else. Uh, but that's um, uh, still to verify when when I go for for instance a traditional field work because mm-hmm. it's very important to record the speaker and uh, for the for the documentation
0: purposes of the language okay uh, so just continuing sort of along that one so but if they were take a sense of the population would they say you know uh hundred percent is Arab or would they would they distinguish mm-hmm. uh you know like ethnically like along those lines in a census so you, you know if you're saying it's you know at, at a best guess maybe it's one million or one percent but if the percentage of the population like I, like I said, I don't know, let's say it's 25%, then, mm-hmm. you know, it's a much larger pr- uh, problem. I shouldn't say it's, you know, it's it's not that I want to make it say it's a small problem to lose the language, but if the percentage of the population was only 2% and only 1% of the population spoke the the language <laughs> and 50% of the people who are of that population spoke it, right? So there's, it's a different way of looking at it, but if the population was 25% of the whole population, then that 1% is, you know, makes it, far more urgent something to look into
1: yes but like again again we don't know the numbers we we really i mean how for the for this spe- specifically for the speakers i mean this is an, a, a very important information that' um, remains lacking i mean after the evolution you see them on facebook everybody is trying to perform this identity perform this language but that does not reflect exactly uh, whether it's still i mean obviously it's still in roots linguistic minority even though Culturally it, and genetically, it's not. But um, uh, again, I mean, uh, well, it, it remains it remains difficult to, to tell at, at this point per, per, per to date.
0: Okay. Um, <coughs> so no, you've mentioned before the you know because I mean it's not just a singular factor. There's other things, but one of the things you mentioned was um, Arab conquest. Now, uh-huh. now I. I see very, very small amounts of it in South Asia, um, Urdu speaking parts of it especially. Um, mm-hmm. But I've also noticed in Afghanistan, um, like just little things. Uh, we used to say Khudafis for goodbye. But then in the late 80s, they said, no, Khuda is the Persian word, use Allah. So a lot of people just started adopting Allah. So they're just changing a little bit of the language.
1: Uh huh.
0: You know, whereas, again, here, uh, North Africa, oh, until you know Arab colonization, you did not have Arab speakers there, really, right? You know, you might have some merchants and stuff, but the population did not speak Arabic. So, how much of that is having an effect on a language? Like Arabs coming in, wiping out local cu- culture, local customs. I mean, along with the language and everything. Like, and then the distinguish, you know, distinguishing, uh, distinguishing between. Arabs and, you know, North Africans who aren't technically Arabs? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, so in in the, uh, looking back at the history, for instance, um, the indigenous people of North Africa, it goes without saying, they are, were the Amazighan, or the Amazigh people? What mm. they are known by Am- Amazigh people, and um, the first uh, linguistic contact, cultural and linguistic contact, um, happened with the with the Phoenicians first, with, who came from the east. Um, obviously, the, they 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 uh, they established Carthage. I don't know if you know about Carthage in, in Tunisia in 1814. Mm, uh, BC and uh, 814 BC and uh, and that's how the first linguistic contact um, I mean uh, how how it started with, with the indigenous people um, the amazir um, uh, language at that time or tamazight language um, had a different had different label which is uh, even uh, which is a uh, libic as well uh, that's that's a different a different name of the language. Um, but um, what's 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 interesting about that period about that phase of history is um, there was a more of um, a status of um, bilingualism that started to happen. So uh, both languages survived together: the Phoenician and the the uh, the indigenous language, the Tamazight. And then uh, came the Greek, uh, followed by uh, the Romans. Um, and and even despite the uh, romans and um, uh, invasion or despite the uh, the the uh, romans colonization and the destruction of carthage etc i mean linguistically speaking um the there was not uh, such a danger imposed on uh, on Tamazight. There was not a risk imposed on on Tamazight uh, status. And again, I mean, we can safely talk about um, a status of bilingualism that was taking place uh, with the Romans. Uh, while it's important to mention that uh, during the Roman Empire i mean Maziran people were more known by other names such as the Maori and then the Mauritanians um, in, a, in a affiliation to the uh, Mauritanian Empire which is uh, uh, um, uh, a Roman empire a division of the Roman Empire but within the um, the land within the territory of north africa um, uh, etc and then um, and then came the the uh, uh, and the, and then came the and that was the seventh century and the coming of the uh, of the um, Muslims or the the Arabs from the peninsula and that's where the first clash the first linguistic clash um, started to occur because uh, I mean the the Arabs did not uh, come with the, with Islam only but uh, forced. Uh, an assimilation, a, uh, 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 sort of, um, uh, assimila- uh, colonialism of, of assimilation, if I may say, on the, um, on the indigenous people, on, on the Amazigh people. Uh, And, uh, uh, but, uh, I mean, with regard to Tunisia, um, the Muslims or the Arabs just occupied the urban uh, areas, and at the time, uh, I mean, the contact or the outcome of the linguistic contact was what linguists, uh, or some linguists like to uh, call um, uh, sedentary Arabic, which means Arabic spoken, a form of Arabic that starts to be spoken within the urban areas um that's in the seventh century and it, it continued as such uh, uh with with the with the i mean um, uh, within the linguistic change obviously there was um cultural and political change imposed on the on the people uh one of the major events uh, for instance one of the major incidents is the um uh, killing, or the assassination of the uh, leader of the Amazigh tribes, uh, um, known uh, by the name Dihya, though Arabic, uh, or the Arabs like to call her uh, Kahina, uh, which means um, a witch, I mean, it's basically a negative name attributed to her, while her Amazigh name was basically um, Tihia. So she she was the woman, uh, she was an icon who resisted Islam and resisted the uh, the Arabs till her uh, death. Um, I mean, there was some controversy or some um, legends around how she was uh, killed. Some stories say she poisoned herself and refused to uh, um, uh, give up uh, to the Arabs, while others say that she was assassinated and her head, I mean, she was beheaded actually, and her head was given a trophy to the uh, Arab uh, Muslim preacher at the time, uh, whose name was Hassan ibn Al-Namin. And, and uh, obviously, there was the during that time, uh, there was the establishment of uh, Kairawan, the first Islamic uh, city uh, in, in North Africa. And uh, the city still exists with the same name, Kairawan, in uh, uh, Tunisia. And uh, that was established by Uqba, the companion Uqba ibn Nafa. And uh, who was killed by an Amazigh um, leader as well, who's a relative of Al-Kahina, or Dihia, uh, whose name is um, uh, Axel, or in in, in.
0: Can I just stop you for a sec? I mean, like, this is kind of interesting, but I was trying to get at, like, you know, I don't mind the history, but I was was trying to get it, like, you know, when they take away cultural practices, like what kind of effect that's going to have on the language? When you know it's it's not just wiping out the language is bad, but it's also wiping out the identity of those people, right? So I was trying to get at that, and like I mean, like I said, the history and everything is kind of interesting. But if you can maybe just talk about or what you know about that, like you know, uh, you know the effects that that's going to be having on the language and stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm. But so I mean, uh. uh uh, obviously, the, the uh, Amazon identity uh, was, I mean, since the coming of the Arab Muslims, um, it started to um, acquire um, negative connotations. And uh, um, as a matter of fact, the term Berber, for instance, uh, which is in the Greek and Roman meaning, means barbar or barbarous, and, and it was used by the Greek to, to refer to uh, just foreign or strange people, when it was adopted, adopted by the Arabs, um, it's taking a negative meaning to to, to uh, connote, um, um, uh, for instance, um, meanings of um, uh, savagery uh, or uh, um, unrefined people, uncivilized people, uh, etc., in, in reference to the uh, to the, um, uh, Amazigh people. And the only way to be uh, civilized and um, the only way to be uh, refined is to convert to Islam and to Arabize, to become Arabs. I mean, in, in general. So um, there was several and several negative um, meanings um, perpetuated against uh, the Amazigh people through the use of Berbers by referring to them with the term Berber, which actually um, etymologically doesn't doesn't have any negative connotations. But when, like I said, when adopted by Arabs, it acquired negative connotations, and um, it's uh, the uh, uh, with the coming of the of, of the preaching of Islam and the perpetuation of the idea that Arabic is the language of paradise, the only the language of Quran, the only savior of these uncivilized civilized uh, savage uh, people, um, the the processes of an assimilation or colonialism of assimilation, I mean. It, took roots and, and, and that's how how it started. That's how the uh, identity uh, followed by I mean uh, the language uh, and proceeded towards um, the status of um, endangerment on all over North Africa despite like I said earlier, I mean the resistance of some of some varieties in some uh, the continuous resistance in, in some regions in North Africa.
0: Okay um, mm-hmm. So like I said continuing on with this. It's just because it's, maybe it's just a pet peeve of mine. Um, But this constant need, like, like I said, North Africans are Arabs. And there's a (laughs) list out, um, should we just check where it's from? Uh, It's a list of Arab countries, not Arab-speaking countries, right? So, uh, and Mm -hmm. that that list includes, uh, that list includes uh, Somalia. And I'm sorry, but somalia is not okay somalia and sudan so here are the arab countries uh like you know some of them yeah fine yeah. like up uh, like bahrain yeah sure that that's an arab country uh oman yemen saudi arabia uae qatar bahrain kuwait uh and then it's got jordan lebanon iraq syria egypt libya tunisia algeria morocco martinia somalia Djib- Djibouti, sudan mm-hmm. palestinian territories in Western sahara now I'm sorry, but like, how is Somalia or Sudan an Arab country?
1: Well, some people think as long as they are in the Arab League, I mean, contemporaneous, basically, uh, that's uh, it's sufficient to, uh, sufficient to check them as uh, as Arabs. But basically, this is, I mean, uh, we we hey, people do not talk about it. Um, Openly, but it's really a form of, of colonialism and it's really a form of supremacy and and the idea that Arabic language or Arabic identity is a supreme uh, being uh, binded to, to, to Quran or to, to religion is so very much common, except that people are not so very much um, outspoken about it, uh, except that uh, people, I mean, um, don't like to involve it in these uh, frameworks of colonialism or supremacy uh, for uh, I don't know, for, for ideological reasons, basically, and for for fear to, to be, I mean, for critics, for... But, I mean, like I said, back to the history and by reference to, to how Arab people perceive, for instance, perceive, for instance their, their Arabness or perceive their language, perceive their culture. I mean, the idea of feeling superior is, is there, is out there. And I've encountered so many people, like when I argued with them, like we did about... Um, some arab speaking countries not being arabs and the answer would always well as long as they are they belong to the arab uh, league then they are arabs as long as the first uh, the the uh, the constitution states that they are uh, arabic uh, nations uh when the official language is uh, is arabic then they are arabs and that's basically i mean is strategy is uh, of of erasure it's um, a clear strategy of erasure that's People don't like to, to speak about it. I mean, even Imazigham people, I've encountered Imazigham people who would not think of Arabs or uh, Arabic language as a colonial language and find it too hard to go. It's like for them, it's a long stretch to go to that point. Uh, and I would say, well, no, no, colonialism is just between 15th century and the and the uh, 21st century or ni- uh, ni- uh, 15th and 19th century. I mean, the ages or the years of discovery, etc. cetera. But... Uh, Many amazing people for instance they, i mean would consider the Ottoman Empire uh, a colonial empire uh, the french empire the French colonialism obviously a colonial but the arab are uh, the arab uh, invasions or the arab muslim invasions not a colonial um, a, a colonial uh, um, colonial invaders so there is this like uh, you don 't understand it 's just like uh, um, and again, I think it's the power of of, um, of religion, for fear of being dissociated with Islam. Uh, I mean, because Arabic, like I said, is so very much binded, so very much immersed in Islam. And actually, it capitalizes, basically, its power, its position in the world. It's, it's, it capitalizes so much on the fact that uh, it's related to Islam. Okay.
0: On, on Staying on this for a second, because... <clears throat> Just, just very recently, right? So, well, I shouldn't say very, very recently, but uh, the the Taliban in Afghanistan, you know, famously mm-hmm. they blew up those Buddhas uh, just outside of Kabul. Uh, then, you know, not so long ago, ISIS was doing that in Syria and Palmyra. They blew up all the ruins, and both of them, both Al Qaeda and ISIS, were going through museums, trashing museums, trashing statues, and then some, they were <laughs> selling to make money. <clears throat> so i mean that's basically wiping out any kind of culture that's not muslim right any kind of culture that's not islamic anything that might veer you away from the religion get rid of it uh, same thing like when they got rid of that when isis went after the yazidi they burnt all their temples down mm-hmm. uh, what was i mean like so what kind of things like that you know culturally significant um you, know, you force them to convert to a religion so obviously they prayed somewhere else like, you know where temples burned down like uh, art destroyed were people forbidden from like I know that uh, for a while they stopped uh, the, the women from putting the tattoos on their eyes um, and things like that like is like is that uh, like like what kind of things like that did they do
1: well with regard to um, Amazon people uh, obviously tattoo is deemed haram uh, and now I mean, even to date, you find these women who are beautifully adorned with all these uh, uh, tattoos and and features with I mean, um, with uh, which carry a lot of um, 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 cultural values and meanings, but at the same time they feel so guilty of. Where having those tattoos and they're like, we don't know how it's going to be punished by God another day. I mean, hopefully they gonna just forgive us because we know that tattoos is haram. Obviously, I mean, that's one of the cultural uh, aspects of the Amazigh language that has been um, attacked or, or attempted to be wiped off. Um, the names, Amazigh names are not allowed uh, in, in none of the Arabic speaking uh, countries in North Africa. Uh, people have to be, deemed strange, they deem deemed the, uh, inappropriate, and uh, even unlawful, and people have to name their kids, uh, their kids with Arabic names, or Arabic Islamic names, if I may say. Uh, um, another, uh, another thing, I mean, obviously the, the language, because the, uh, the language, I mean, some of the uh, Islamists in, in North Africa, they even called the language of, of the pagans uh or the the non believers and uh it's it would be haram to, to, to speak that language. Um I mean uh favor in Arabic. Uh um I mean till very recently members of parliaments in in in, uh, in Tunisia and in Algeria, those are very famous members of parliaments who, who I mean, there was this members of parliament in in, in Algeria who uh, clearly uh, declared that she would kill her daughter if she heard her uh, speak in Tamazight, conversing in with her uh, friends or peers. And there is this uh, mem- uh, member of parliament in Tunisia who was like, "Were." Well, Arabic is endangered is in, is in, in danger right now. Basically, modern standard Arabic, and we have to uh, enact a law uh, where uh, everybody should speak uh, the language, even people who were even in social media, and those who do not abide by by this uh, by um, by speaking arabic should be penalized we should have we should think about a sort of penalty for people who converse on social media and not using uh, modern standard arabic i mean using even the colloquial arabic not even tamas is uh, in his mind uh, should be uh, should be considered uh, illegal and should be penalized i mean using our native languages which is the colloquials, should be should be penalized So, uh, things of, of this sort, I mean, they've been, um, perpetuated across, across history and and policies in, in North Africa.
0: Okay. I mean, yeah, like that's, okay. You've got that fight. You said, you know, you speak with people there and they might not see that as colonialism, but here in the West, you get that as well. Right. You'll always hear about, you know, European colonialism, um, but, you know, mm-hmm. if I try to bring up you know like like you know it, it, okay, discussing Islam or discussing problems, you know with Saudi Arabia or whatever you bring up the problems, and they're like, oh, no, no, that's just because of colonialism, that's just because of Western imperialism. And then when you bring up Arab imperialism, they, they just they don't want to hear it. they don't even want to see it. it's it's just like, no, it never happened. I mean, it's the exact mm-hmm. same thing, and it's um, I mean, it's frustrating.
1: It is frustrating because, I mean, it's a fact. I mean, how would, how would these people explain the erasure of Tamazight language, for instance, if it was not a colonial uh, strategy, if it was not a sort of colonialism? How would they explain people are not allow, allowed to name their kids with the names of their ancestors? Just because they are Amazigh and, and the names that they are chosen are not are Tamazigh, not Arabs. If that's if that's not a form of colonialism, I mean it's it's really frustrating and irritating. I mean, and oh, the people need to ch- these people need to check the fact. Ne- I mean, I think uh, I don't know. I think uh, uh, not 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 be- being blinded or. Um, are playing deaf on these on these uh, facts. It's what contributes, basically, for instance, to the endangerment of several indigenous cultures, um, for example, Tamazight, um, and, and uh, which contributes to to the erasure of these uh, cultures and languages. I mean, from one side, you find them so very much humanist and they argue for the rights of of everyone. But when you talk about Arab, it's like it's that the, the, the Arab colonialism is like a red flag. But it's not. I mean, Arabs themselves thought. Talked about um, Arabic and Arabs as colonizers. There are plenty of Arabic of Arabian uh, uh, authors and intellects who, who would say who would who, who admitted that it's an it was an invasion. I mean, when you think you think about the number of slaves uh, between. Th- I mean, the numbers are between 30,000 and 60,000 uh, people who have been um, uh, uh, enslaved from North Africa and taken to the peninsula, From uh, basically from the Amazigh tribes. I mean, those, um, those are Amazigh men and women who have been enslaved and taken to the peninsula. And, and because, I mean, well, the stories say that because they are uh, fair, complexion, like they are white, and they have these certain yeah. traits that the Arabs liked, and, and etc. But these are facts. I mean, uh, s- no, but, 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 slavery.
0: Sorry, I don't, yeah. don't want to cut you off, but it's, it, it's it's just that, right? Like the the Arabs came in and took all that. It, but it's not that only that they they agree with it; they glorify it. Like, okay, look at this. You know, this this proves the power of Islam. This proves you know our right. This proves you know that you know, like, Islam was magnificent because we conquered all these lands. That was proof of their religion. That was proof of whatever they were doing was the right thing to do, right? It's...
1: Exactly. And by the way, they are, I mean, one one important thing to mention here is that, the, the for instance, with regard to Amazigh people, they're majority Muslims. And they, I mean, even though these facts, even though then, uh, um, I mean, in my opinion, at least, I mean, uh, the blame, Amazigh would put the blame only to, on the Arabs, or the um, arabization uh, policies and exclude islam when i mean in reality, I think that Arabs or Arabization couldn't have happened if it was not um, endorsed by Islam I mean, even the uh, this, uh, even if it's not for the sake of Islam. I mean, all these um, nation-state uh, leaders in, who are deemed to be seculars, for instance, all these dictators, all right, uh, who who um, uh, endorse the project of nationalism and Arabism, which is naturally secular. I mean, when it comes to Arabic and impose an Arabic, they would play uh, bring the islam um, element or they would uh, use islam as their um um uh, scapegoats um, to to impose arabization and and Amazigh, like for instance many people i mean they they fell into that and still they, they would not they would they would find it very uh, sensitive to criticize or to link islam to arabs i mean they would treat these two um I think uh, uh, they would put these two things in two different categories. Arabs are not, uh, or Arabization is not necessarily a Muslim project or an Islamization project. It's different. Islam is uh, innocent of whatever the Arabs did to us. Uh, And and I think, I mean, some of the Amazigh intellects, I mean, they are very few, unfortunately. I mean, nowadays they start to, to talk about decolonizing the Amazigh mind. Because it's very important. And by decolonizing uh, or being involved in the decolonization process, it's very important to understand the nature of Islamicization uh, and Arabization. And it's very important to distinguish uh, between uh, the language, for instance, Arabic, because there are so many Amazigh, they just hate Arabs, Arabic, which is the language. Arabic has done nothing to them, uh, but never criticize Islam or never blame it on Islam or the project of Islamicization. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, it's even, I mean, from the, in, these people themselves who have been like victims, real victims of uh, um, uh, the Islamization of North Africa, for instance, they still want to make a distinction between um, Islam and Arabic. When I mean studies, I mean there have been so many studies have been da- done with regard to this, uh, uh, for instance, a question. And you know, also, does does Arabic uh, language encourage radical Islam? And uh, there is this this guy, his name is um, James uh, James Croftman, who was the director of the. Um, uh, of America mid East Educational uh, and Training Services in, in Tunisia, he did a study in 1989, 1989 and 1990 in at, in two universities in Algeria, the University of Algeria and another University of, of Wahran. and he came out with the with this 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 uh, this conclusion that yes, Arabic language encourages Islamic Islam. There is a strong bind and link there, and we have to recognize that. But unfortunately, like you said, so many people get are frustrated and they get irritated at the mere thinking of, of this uh, hypothesis which has which was a, a, a reality by the way it has been a reality since since ever
0: Yeah i mean okay i i've i've traveled quite a bit and i was in bosnia and it's the only place i've really ever heard this but a lot of the muslims that i'd met there i was there working with the military and a lot of the muslims i'd met there would still go to the mosque would still pray they were they were very very Secular, laid back, but the only thing they followed was not eating pork. And but you know, some did go to Mm -hmm. the mosque, but they would -hmm. uh, they would grumble about the fact that they were forced to learn at least to be able to pronounce the words in another language to practice their faith. And they're like, "Well, why can't I just do it in Bosnian? Right? Why do I have to learn Arabic? Why can't you know like?" And it's and just you know. Like the religion and the language are so intertwined. I mean, the Quran is only the Quran in Arabic. Any translation is just like a you know a shadow of it, right? You have to speak uh-huh. in Arabic. I mean, I, I don't know see how anyone can differentiate the language from the religion. I mean, the language is tied into the religion.
1: It is a major symbol. It's so very much tied into uh, into uh, Islam. I mean. One time I was in the subway speaking about uh, your experience and there was this guy who was trying I mean, he's an African-looking um, guy and he was trying so hard to memorize a dua in Arabic he's, he's like a dua made of three or four like maybe two sentences in a paper and he was like He would cover the paper and then he would try to memorize it in Arabic and he told But I know that his native language I mean for sure his native language and his mother tongue is not Arabic But because he's Muslim, he was, looked Muslim with the way he he was he was dressing up. I mean, and I'm like, you don't have to. You don't. Know, why are you giving yourself half time? Just translate it in your language and and do the du'a in your own language. I mean, God should be able to listen in any other language, isn't he? The omnipotent, isn't he? The one who oh, no. knows.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that, that's just it. I mean, but it's no. But also, okay. I mean, I I think this is part of it because you know, I you know, this is I don't. You, know, you can talk about the part of the wiping of the culture, whatever, but people don't know what they're praying to. People don't have an understanding. I mean, 80% of Muslims don't speak Arabic. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the stuff they, you know, like the, the prayers they're doing in the mosques in South Asia uh, or in Malaysia or whatever, some of these people have no clue what they're praying to. Like, you know, calling for the death of apostates, Jews, Christians... <laughs> And, you know, like homosexuals, whatever, like, but th- th- they have no idea. They're just going along, just going, I mean, I mean, I mean, and it's like, you know,
1: No yeah. understanding yeah. of the content. I mean, yeah. they have no understanding of uh, of their content, of what they're reading or what, I mean, I was, I was a pretty devout, or devout Muslim, uh, uh, but secular at the same time. I've been always secular, but I loved Islam. It was, it was a passion for me. It was not even a religion. It was, it was like a hobby for me. And, and, and I loved it so much uh, growing up. And I was, I mean, when I pray, uh, if I'm from a rush or something, I would pray with short surahs, with short uh, chapters, and after after I became ex-Muslim, I realized. I mean, short chapters i mean to mention. I mean, what I mean is sure sort Surat uh, the about the, the one about the presence of of Muhammad uh, Abi Lahab.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: and that's, I mean, and after I, after I became ex-Muslim, I realized how stupid I was praying with that surah. Because that surah is just an insult. Like, it's someone insulting somebody else. When you're in a position of prayer, you have to be in the most peaceful mood ever. Like, very tolerant and peaceful and, and open-minded and, and receptive and passive. And and, I mean, passive. And, and, I mean, like, and I was like all the time using that surah, and I didn't understand its meaning till I left Islam, Till after I left Islam. And I was like, Muslims pray with the surah when is this surah is just like an insult, like they're playing with, then using an insult and a register of, of insult to pray. And this is so very much like, it's it's kind of like uh, schizophrenic or something, like you're praying. I mean, pray is supposed to be like for, for Pacific for, for to say good words, to say positive words, and when you're, you're insulting someone, you're insulting the, the, the uncle of Muhammad while praying. I mean, how would that be a prayer? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, oh, no. Like it, it, I said, some of this just doesn't make sense. Uh, but yeah, I know yeah, no, speaking
1: about uh, yeah, go mean, ahead. speaking up, yeah, speaking about those people who who are um, so many people who are so secular and don't know, but they are just so many when it comes to um, when it comes to to uh, to Islam. I mean, most of the most of the Arab uh, leaders, the dictators, are secular leaders. Uh, the 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 founders of Pan Arabism, uh, Michel Aflaq. Uh, who who founded the the bath party and and pan Arabism and was so um, uh, fanatic about Arabization process and he called even to the eradication of whoever does not identify themselves as, as Arabs everywhere in the Middle East and North Africa. Uh, I mean they were, these people he was Christian and he was secular but I mean again his his uh, his. Uh, uh, and, and, and strong instrument well, I mean it's most persuasive uh, instrumental to convince people was religion, was, was Islam it's the language of this secular uh, religion, it's the language of Quran so you have to identify to speak it and uh, give up on the, your own native or mother tongues uh, in favor of, of Arabic uh, so it's, it's so very much Arabic and, and Islam are so very much complementary They're so strongly complementary to each other
0: uh, the dictator thing and the secular thing. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, okay, I think that's a huge problem because you have now in, you know, North Africa, you know, places like Iraq, uh, even with the Shah, like, I mean, not saying what's going on with the Ayatollahs and I'm glad people are fighting back against that, but even like with the Shah, you had dictators put in place under the name of secularism. So if you bring up secularism in some of those places now it's that word is tainted that word is you know we don't want that because it's associated with having a dictatorship like you can't have enforced secularism <laughs>
1: Well, um, the secularism. Is, I think <laughs> that's how they've been described, but it's. Uh, I think it's been uh, misunderstood. I mean, by ser- by secular dictators. I mean, though uh, the literature, that's how they describe them in the literature. Secular dec- secular leaders. Uh, I mean, I think they mean um, they mean that um, the uh, well, the, uh, well, the, um, the policies that those leaders, the type they refer to the type of the policy that those leaders imposed, and uh, in the sense that uh, they they forbade people from uh, talking um, about certain topics and those are politics and religion i mean in these nations two taboo topics and in the arab nations in general two taboo taboo topics still before the 2011 revolutions were religion and and politics you don't come close to uh, near these two topics and that's how they, they i i mean describe the the, the leaders i mean the, as as uh, separatists but in in practice. Uh, of course they're not. I mean even maybe they're in their private lives, yes, but when it comes to imposing uh, policies and, and power, I mean the religion element it, it was always present in their discourse always present. Hosni Mubarak, for instance in in, in 2004, in 2004, he had a famous speech against one of the uh, uh, of the Egyptian journalists. His name was Shubashi a famous journalist who wrote, who wrote a book, um, uh, the title of the book, if I remember very well, was, was down with the, down with the Sibawi. Sibawi was the, the father of the Arab philology and linguistics and the grammar. Okay. And the title of the book was down of the Sibawi. And the main, uh, um, what he was arguing for in the book, I mean, what Shobashi was arguing for, uh, for in, in his book was to uh, stop uh, calling Arabic a native language or mother tongue because it's, it's not a native language of no one. It is not the mother tongue of no one scientifically and linguistically speaking. It's just the official language imposed by politics, so there was all these i mean uh, turmoil that rose against him politic politicians and journalists and intellects and everyone was, how dare you? saying that Arabic is not our mother tongue and he tried his best he was like your mother tongue is Egyptian the colloquial the one we speak we the, the one we grew up speaking the one we of which we utter our first um words um, at the stage of bubbling and 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 even and everybody was like how dare you that's that's a vulgar form of Arabic how dare that's a colonizer form I mean they would call the colloquial the, the our mother tongues colonized uh, colonized colonized forms of, of of arabic or of of land of um languages of colonizers but the mother tongue is arabic it, i mean uh, and then he was by the way he was like um uh, uh, he had to. He had to uh, resign. that pushed him to resign his position as a journalist and and to shut up for a while and then come back and say, "Well, I didn't mean that. I meant like." Uh, he tried to compromise, but then Husni Mubarak, who was like a secular, was also a secular dictator. For instance, in tw- in two thousand four, he made a speech against this guy, and he which he argued. I mean, uh, we should protect our Arabic, uh, our language, our mother tongue, Arabic language of these kind of. Guys, uh, bad guys who are trying to corrupt the language of paradise. For in Hosni Mubarak's mind, Arabic is the language of paradise. A secular dictator, for for a secular leader, for instance, known for his secularism. So this is a real life example of how a secularism is under, misunderstood in in uh, in the Arab what's the Arab spe- Arab speaking world.
0: Yeah, but that's I mean, it's it's that I said that's why I think it's a huge problem because it was sold to them. These guys were sold to them saying, okay, this is, you know, these are secular dictators. So people think, oh yeah, that's what secularism is going to bring me. I don't want that because they don't know exactly what it is. Okay, but I I don't know if you know enough about this or if you could maybe even compare. Just because the pan-Arabism compared to what like Hassan al-Banna did with the Muslim Brotherhood and that kind of ideology, you know, because the Muslim Brotherhood was not about... Arabs per se, it was pushing Islam whereas like the Pan-Arabism was promoting the identity of being Arabs and because of the fact that you're Arabs then you know, you should have an affinity for Islam whereas the Muslim Brotherhood was just about imposing Islam in power through political means, right? Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. And, and uh, I mean Pan-Arabism uh, basically had like it was it was clear about her foundational tenets, and those are rejection, hostility, uh, annihilation of whoever identify themselves as non-Arab. Mm-hmm. And exactly the same, I do not Islam. If you are not Muslim, I mean, you're exposing yourself to some sort of penalty, yeah. some sort of annihilation. And that, this is how they were, the area where they uh, Arab, Arab, pan-Arabism and Islamism. I mean, they meet so well, and they complement each other so well.
0: Yeah, it's. Just, I mean, they're both totalitarian thinkings. Yeah. I mean, I was like, just to get back on something, because I'm trying to show that. And this is like going way, way off topic. So right after the the shooting in Christchurch, um, and I've talked about this a little, a couple of times, a couple of different people, and, um, you know, you had all these people. Well, I shouldn't say all these, but there's a lot of people putting out, um, the stupid little pyramid, and on the bottom it was like you know whiteness and if you're just ignoring someone's racist comments or whatever just and it's just all white people and then the Mm -hmm. pyramid leads up to the top and says you know that you know that leads up to white supremacy so all white people are responsible for white supremacy and if you were trying to tell one of those people well then okay every single muslim is responsible for every terrorist attack which is a stupid thing to say right of course uh, okay but it's just as stupid to say all white people are responsible for white supremacy and, oh, for generalization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, like, like you, know, like you were talking about with like all what we were just talking about before. I was trying to like l- get people to see, okay, how Islam, like, like a pan-Islamization and a pan-Arabization are intertwined. They're, you know, it's you're putting one aspect over on everyone else. That's the same kind of mentality as a white supremacist because they want to put white people over on everyone else, right? Not mm-hmm. all white people are white supremacists, just like not all Muslims are terrorists. All, you know, like, and these things shouldn't have to be said. But the, the you know, all white people, or it's whiteness that led to white supremacy, that caused the guy in Christchurch Church to go shoot up that mosque. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it drives me crazy because then I understand why when I try to criticize specific parts of Islam. <laughs> that I'm called a racist because oh my god, you're 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 attacking all Muslims. It's like no. Because in their mind it's all
1: yeah well they don't make differences but what uh, the difference between uh, the people and, and the idea what, what we are talking about is uh, when we say pan-arabism or nationalism or uh islamicization or islamism these are ideologies we are we talking about ideologies and how they they function we not how they they've been functioning and uh, how they've been um, affecting affecting the people but not about uh, of course not not about the individuals not about the people yeah so it's it's totally different a different discourse we we're just like talking ideologies uh, talking how these ideologies, ideologies have been uh, displayed and exercised uh, I mean and uh, on what on the power dynamics and what what kind of instruments what what kind of mechanisms that they've uh, f- they've been fed uh, on so, I mean, uh, uh, obviously Arabic language. I mean, when I speak about Arabic, Arabic language is it's just, it's just innocent. It's just free of all. I mean, it has nothing to do with all these ideologies that have been, like, uh, um, uh, imposed on it impose on the language like, the language itself i mean has nothing to do with the, uh, colonialism with uh, uh, endangering for instance other uh, uh, other languages or pushing other languages to status of uh, endangerment i mean it, it's totally different but it's it is more about what ideologies have been um, used or how the ideologies have uh, 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 use the language uh, to, uh, to to um, to f- to feed on, to uh, to uh, to to be to be uh, to boost up, for instance. But the languages themselves, I mean, just like the people, I mean, they they're not they're not bad. I mean, you cannot even talk about a bad language. I mean, all languages are equal. All languages, I mean, they are they are just in, in neutral, if I may say so it's it's uh, it's it's basically our focus our the the discussion or the public uh, discourse is um, that we are raising is the uh, is on the ideology and how those ideologies have been uh, practices and the, uh, the outcome or maybe the impact of these ideologies. Uh, obviously, when we, I mean, Arabization alone was not going to be uh, powerful without Islam and was not, was not, I mean, I don't think that Arabization alone could have, uh, for instance, hurt Tamazigh uh, uh, as much as, uh, as uh, it's the case nowadays. I think it was intertwined with the other ideologies it happened to be religious ideologies and that's and that's islam and this is i mean something that like we, we, it's it's very visible i mean we can all see
0: all right yeah. um so anyways i don't want to take up too much more of your time but if you have any other last thoughts on the matter if you want to let know let people know where they can get a hold of you um, if you had anything you're working on that you want to let people know about, go ahead.
1: Well, okay, I'm, 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 I'm continuing on uh, trying to revitalize and document Tamazigh uh, language. Uh, my dissertation uh, is going to be uh, published hopefully by uh, maybe in next year. Uh, and uh, people can hold, I mean, I'm uh, always on Facebook. Uh, so with the name Subaika Bahri, uh my Facebook is public, or uh, on Twitter with uh, um, uh, Ariha Jasmine. Uh, so I'm, 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 my, my social media is so public, and uh, uh, my book, which is, I mean, I th- my dissertation, which is, I think is a groundbreaking dissertation with regard to the case of um, Tunisian Tamaz I mean, like I said, hopefully will be um, uh, in a book uh, by the mid of, uh, of next year. All right. And, uh, yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much, and thank you, everyone, for listening, and I'll be back.
1: Thank you for having me, Arbay. Thank you so uh, much.
0: No